You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I am, of course, Doug Kaufman, the guy who believes almost everything's linked to fungus. I've been proven <laughs> wrong once in the past many, many years. Kyle Drew joins me also, my good buddy from Oklahoma City. Kyle, thanks hey, for joining us It's good today. to be here, man. You know what I wanted to do is talk everything fungus, Kyle. Yeah. You're a guy who went through chemistry in school, so therefore I had to go through microbi- uh, microbiology to get that chemistry degree. So you learned about germs. And uh, it, it, I was talking with a doctor who visited us a short time ago who does uh, uh, stem cell work. And this doctor said, I learned zero about this. I talked to him for an hour. I was outside talking to him from his home a few weeks ago. And he said, when you started talking about fungus, Hmm. I really didn't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. I I knew nothing. I've been through, I've got my board certifications in internal medicine, pulmonary medicine. You know, the guy is amazingly bright guy. And he said, I didn't know anything about this. But part of the reason I think stem cells is going to become such a hot topic is because when you inject immature cells into a person, their own cells which mature and are targeted to where inflammation or where they're hurting, I believe those immature cells grow up to be mature cells and as such, phagocytic activity, that's Mm. those white blood cells that gobble up like a Pac-Man, gobble up fungi and bacteria, uh, are activated. And I think that's part of the reason stem cell works so well. That was the coolest discussion I've heard in a long, long time yeah. uh, when you were talking with Dr. Soraya. And I, I, we didn't even have time to scratch the surface with that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we asked about why stem cells aren't activated in your body to begin with. Since they're already there, why aren't they activated? That's another discussion. We asked about should they be used for systemic prophylaxis. That means that you're preventing an array of problems by injecting yourself with your own stem cells mm-hmm. and, and uh, letting them gobble up the bad guys, mm-hmm. in your case fungus, mm-hmm. and restore tissues that have been damaged. Because that's always been kind of the thing. It's, it, there's this one-two punch with fungus, in my opinion, Doug. Mm-hmm. You've keyed in on fungus and mycotoxins being the offenders. Then there's the damage that they did that we have to build back up again. And that's where all the nutrition and the we want the high antioxidant stuff and the greens and the berries and the supplements, the curcumin and the fish oil. All of this stuff works together. But when you take your own stem cells, and that's what was, I'm glad that you asked about, is this aborted fetal tissue? No, it's your own stem cells. I thought that that was maybe the most exciting thing that I've heard since CBD oil. That was a big, uh, that's still, and it's going to be bigger, I think. Um, I think those two things together represent the most exciting things in nutrition. And I still think stem cells are natural health because they come from your own body. So I consider that natural health also. Kyle, take that one step further. Those two things are the most exciting. CBD oil or cannabinoids, not the tetrahydrocannabinol, the get high stuff, but, but the oils made by this plant are antifungal. 
powerful. There's reports that it's antifungal. Then you take the stem cells based on my hypotheses, which I just delivered, when you put immature cells in your body and they become mature white blood cells, they have new phagocytic activity. Yep. They can gobble up debris in your joints that might be fungal debris or bacterial uh, debris. Everything centers around fungal mycotoxins. Yeah, it's something that <laughs> you almost had to duck your head 20 years ago if you were saying that to a group of physicians. Now, I, I did. you're headlining <laughs> right. uh, a mycotoxin seminar and your, your keynote address is actually delivering continuing med medical education units for physicians. I should have what retired. What a change. I should have retired a few years ago, or age <laughs> tells me I should have. I am having more fun today watching this message being accepted yep. than I have fought for 45 years. Let's talk about a couple of things. You have done a little work, and I loved what you've done, the research you've done, because your family was headed down the genetic coding of Alzheimer's or yeah. dementia. Uh, mom's seven family members end up with this horrible disease. You've seen it in your mother, and you've seen it throughout your family. And instead of saying, okay, I'm 40 now, in 20 years I'm gonna have it, you and your family have set out to prevent it. But in order yeah. to prevent something, you must first know what causes it. So it's interesting when you go into your studies of amyloid plaque, that mm. white stuff that grows in the brain, or you go into some cadaver studies that have been done. I mean, you're really trying to figure out what this uh, Alzheimer's was. Yeah, when, you know, when my mom started having symptoms of Alzheimer's, I remember my wife and I went to my parents' house to visit my mom thought that I was her dad, my, I'm sorry, her husband, yes. my dad. Yes. She thought her husband was her dad. Yep. And I had seen this six other times with her sisters and another family member. And so I knew what, this, what was coming. And I set out to change everything. Now, let me tell you something. In terms of executing it, it was my wife. Because yeah, my wife right. made meals for them every week. Yeah. And the only food they had to eat is what my wife brought over. And she brought pure phase one diet foods. Yeah. Um, the only pills that they could take were what I packaged up for them. And they took, there were medicines at the time that mom was taking but we also gave supplements. By the time six months had gone by, she was down to like four drugs after being on 15 different drugs. Yep. Not only did she come out of the brain problem, but she anti-aged in every other way. When you say that fungus relates to everything in the body, we were doing it for the brain. We weren't doing it for her heart, her knees, we weren't doing it for blood pressure. We weren't doing it even for her energy. And yet all of those things were helped when we went on the Kaufman antifungal plan. Mm -hmm. This is before you and I actually met. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to just today, there's a new paper out talking about Alzheimer's disease. And you mentioned beta amyloid protein. This is a protein that's found in the brains of every Alzheimer's patient post-mortem. You can never do a technical diagnosis of Alzheimer's until after the patient dies, and then they look at the brain and they see this beta amyloid protein. So they're saying, well, if we can get rid of beta amyloid protein, maybe we can get rid of the Alzheimer's. But there was a wrinkle thrown in just this week. They said, uh, these researchers said, well, what is beta amyloid? 
And why does the body make it? That's a good question. Sure. Turns out the reason beta amyloid, according to this new study, exists is to prevent the body from being overtaken with an infection. Fungus or bacteria or virus. There you go. Yeah. This, this beta amyloid that we thought is the cause of Alzheimer's is actually secondary to another problem. It's the protecting problem, us from It's it. protecting us, much like cholesterol mm -hmm. uh, or, or plaque in the arteries. You know, a lot of people are looking at plaque in the arteries and they're saying, you know, some of these blood vessels have become uh, rigid and crack, and the plaque goes and seals up the cracks, mm -hmm. kind of like putty. It's or, the good guy, and we've been told. Yeah. Do you remember, Kyle, now I'm significantly older than you, but... Uh, I remember being told that fat makes plaque in your arteries. Yeah. And boy, careful with those nuts and those avocados yeah. because those are fat. Of course, now we know that they're bad. How can a business exist that makes this many mistakes? Not only that, how can it grow to be a $3 trillion business? And Kyle, my issue, I'm going to tell you straight out, my issue has always been trust. Mm. I worked in the hospitals. I worked in the operating rooms. I worked in emergency medicine in the field, you know, with yeah. morphine in my pack. I have seen mistakes at such high levels, diagnoses so erroneous, that I'm wondering why it is that there's so much belief in what we're being dealt with in medicine. Boy, you better get a colonoscopy. You need that digital rectal exam. You need a pap smear and a mammogram. Really? I think we are using those tools to hyper-diagnose conditions. There's no policing entity. Whatever your doctor says is right. Well, I think about so many things when you say that. First thing I thought about was my mom, who grew up during the Great Depression. And she told me that when they rarely went to the doctor, they had such high expectations for meeting a real live doctor that they came with him not just with medical questions. Doug, they would say, hey, should we buy this car? Yeah. What do you think about this for our finances? Well, they thought that these people could do so, no, could do no wrong. They were gods. And knew everything. They were gods. And it took an awfully long time to, to undo that, but you still see today, you know, there's a lot of people today who uh, if the doctor says it, it's gospel, and I love doctors, I think that they've been trained in a system mm -hmm. that prevents them from seeing anything outside of their box of doing things. You know, we, we've talked about Obamacare on the show. It's not, I don't, this isn't a political thought I have. It's simply this, I don't want to pay into a, I don't want to be required to pay into a system that I don't actually believe in that form of medicine mm -hmm. overall, mm -hmm. that's all. Mm -hmm. I want to pay my money for herbs, prolotherapy, chiropractic, right. all of these things. So when you talk about trust, I have such little trust for uh, chronic conditions getting better under mainstream Western medicine that I myself tend to opt out of that. I never tell anybody else to do it, but I tend to opt out of it. Now for an acute problem, thank you for the emergency room. Right. If I have right. to, if I've been in a car accident, don't drizzle vitamin C on my wound. <laughs> get me to an ER, get me to a surgeon. 
So I'm not some nut who doesn't think that there's ever a place for this, not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about trust, Doug, my gosh, when we found out years ago that the third leading cause of death was medicine that's properly prescribed and properly taken. So you're supposed to take the pink pill, you take the pink pill and the side effect is death. Mm -hmm. 100,000 people a year die from that. Now fast forward to 2016 and they say that now the updated third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer is medicine that's improperly given, medical mistakes. So you were supposed to take the pink pill, you took the green pill, the side effect is you die. That shows you when you add those two together, you've got a mess of a system. And again, I'm not upset with doctors themselves. You know, every time a doctor wants to have an argument about this stuff, we, we can argue about it. But I'm not against doctors. Please go to your doctor. But when the system itself is the third leading cause of death in America, it affects my trust in them dealing with the number one cause and the number two cause and the number four cause and beyond, right? Well, Kyle, there's a reason for that. The system is sorely broken. Yeah. Doctors must take post-graduation, they graduate from medical school, yeah. nurses, et cetera, medical people, lab techs, must take continuing medical education. They're called CME units. Yeah. CME units, if you can believe no conflict exists here, I want you to raise your hand. <laughs> CME units are given by the pharmaceutical industry. Do you smell a horrible stench or is there such a conflict of interest? You think this doctor is ever gonna learn about diet or about curcumin? Just a magnificent supplement that has miraculous activities. Vitamin C, yeah. do you think he's ever gonna worry, ever gonna learn about that? So the system, in my opinion, is immoral. When doctors only learn about new drugs and then they send beautiful women into his office mm -hmm. to teach him about these new drugs, uh, we got a problem, Houston. And so this, and then let's go back a step beyond that. Every medical school student is hustled by drug company interests, has paid money, has bought food, has given you know anything they want because they know soon that guy is going to be a doctor and he's going to have to rely on his drugs or what happens. Doctors who step out and say, you know, that curcumin isn't looking so bad. Mm. Or I had a patient who went on Kaufman's diet and got better, she no longer has reflux. When they start beginning that, they're given a name. Any competitor is called, you guys know it, right? Yep. A quack. Quack. Yeah. That's a quack. Soon they take his license, they put him in court, they take all his money, they withdraw his ability to make income, and it all centers around what I think evil is today, and that is pharmaceutical company interest in owning every aspect of medicine. Well, having been a pharmaceutical drug rep, I sold uh. chemotherapy for years, and the reason I got out of it is because I couldn't really be comfortable with that anymore. Yes, the money was great. Yes, the company car was free. Yes, the expense account was large. But every day I would walk, and y you are not exaggerating. Um, I wouldn't see medical students, but what I would see is young interns and mm -hmm. residents. Mm -hmm. They're not making money yet. They're barely making it, and they're working 120 hours a week, and they're living at the hospital. Yep. And so I would go 
And I would pick up these guys and I'd take them to play golf. They loved it. A free meal to them was a big deal. Right. When I would get to physicians who were well-established and were making a half a million dollars a year, I wasn't able to persuade them with the meal, so I persuaded them with CME credits. They have to have so many continuing medical education units per year. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to give those to them, or textbooks, or trips to a conference. That was the way that we influenced them. Now, nobody came in on behalf of Apple's or blueberries. No, there was no blueberry drug rep to come in and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about the power of uh, anthocyanins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or nobody came in and say, man, I, I come here representing turmeric. Right. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. That's competition. It is. And Kyle, make it worse. I think the first year was 1954 when they did experiments on obesity and antibiotics. And they said, mm. yup, it causes weight gain and obesity. Then they begin giving them to cattle, and of course, indirectly, we eat them, and then chickens and pigs and so forth. Zip forward through the years, I can probably give you reports every three years from 1954 that said, these things are problematic. They didn't call them mycotoxins back then. We didn't know what mycotoxins were when they were developed. They were just a byproduct of a mold called penicillium. Every three years they come out, and the, the most recent three to four years has been, boy, we're grossly over-prescribing these, to an article in USA a couple of years ago, USA newspaper, that said it's parents' fault. Hmm. Parents, we have got to work with you because you're going into doctor's offices and demanding antibiotics, yep. and your child has a virus, and they don't help viruses. When did we lose the gall in medicine to say no? Yeah. And you know, when I, did, every doctor says, where did you graduate from medical school? Well, doctor, where did you? If you didn't learn to say no to a fungal poison that some woman with a beautiful baby she wants to help uh, is yeah. asking for, tell her it's a fungal poison, they're not going to get it because they have a viral infection, doctor. Learn to say no. Well, when you said uh, the different studies that associate weight gain with antibiotics. Mm. That by itself is a story that nobody knows to this day, and it's been around for 60 years now. It's kept from the public. It's just not something that's widely disseminated among, you, you don't talk to your neighbor and they go, yeah, of course I know that. Nobody yeah. knows that. And that's a huge deal. And then when I, oh, were you going to say something? Go ahead. Let me jump off right yeah, there. Yeah, do it. Because one of my slides that I present to doctors earning continuing medical education, I know they hate that is in there, is a quote from the American Cancer Association. And it is, mycotoxins are genotoxic carcinogens from the American Cancer Association. And folks, I'll break that down. What that means is fungal poisons that are made by, you know, penicillium and, and uh, alcohol and so forth um, are genotoxic. They're poisonous to your DNA carcinogens. They cause cancer. Now, Jeez. the reason I'm bringing that up, Kyle, is this, and you're going to love this. I had put that on my lectures for years, and one day I said, boy, I'm getting continuing medical education. Mm. I better darn well... Uh, you got to find out where that was said. And so I, anybody would Google, of course, it's going to say American Cancer Association, type in genotoxic carcinogens. It does not show. Really? You cannot find it anymore. Thank God 
I have hundreds of boxes wow. of books. And I went back and I found the 1995 American Oncology book. And I had the page dog-eared. Without that reference, mycotoxins are genotoxic carcinogens. I couldn't put that in my PowerPoint presentation. Shh, it has gotten out. That Don't publish it anywhere. When you say that, first of all, what a story. Mm. Gee whiz. What I've what, seen in my years is I, unbelievable. I know, and uh, you should write a book. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, but the thing that I think about is that study I just referenced that said the third leading cause of death is medical mistakes. This is interesting because the CDC does not publish that. Back years ago when they said the third leading cause of death was prescription medicines properly prescribed and properly taken, that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in the late 90s. By Marcia Stark in the, no, uh, uh, the year 2000. 2000. JAMA, yep. Journal of the American Medical yep. Association. She has since died, but boy, did they dislike her. And then you heard, every year when the CDC published its study, that third one was never put in there after that never. until this year when it was medical mistakes that was added, but it was the Mayo Clinic that did that study. It wasn't a CDC study. Every once in a while, honesty sneaks in. We don't know yeah. how it gets in there, yeah. and we try and keep it from the people. Yeah. But, you know, they say cancer and heart disease. Isn't that interesting, the way yeah. one is all, oh, good, the good news is for heart disease sufferers, cancer is now number one. Oh, good for heart disease sufferers, cancer is now, yeah. you know, they shift back and forth. Number three, we're told, is diabetes. Yep. And number four is another autoimmune. The truth is, iatrogenic disease caused by doctors or drugs is and has been for a long, long time the number three cause of death in America. Hence, Kyle, when I say I have every reason not to trust. That just endorses my non-trust. I, look, I can remember years ago I was washing under my arms in the shower and ooh, What's mm. that? A little lump. And I said, well, that's true. I went to the Christmas party, and I had two glasses of wine. And I'm telling you, Kyle, thank God it was in the neighborhood. I walked home, and I was hiring a kite. I've never been able to do alcohol very well. But, um, and sure enough, a couple of days later, now I'm one of the few people that felt that lump and was able to trace it back. And that's why Kyle and I have encouraged you viewers of our 15-year-old television show, Kyle's long-run super health radio show, and of course these podcasts. We want you to closely associate your miserable feeling, your arthritis, your depression, your crying, uh, or your amenorrhea, you miss your menstrual periods, your testicles are sore, your joints are sore, etc with what you've been doing, the way you've been eating, okay? Um, and hang on just a second, I gotta put this message here. That's my lovely wife. He's okay. looking at his phone. Yes, right at my now. cell phone, I'm okay. sorry. Um, but Kyle, I was able to say, oh, thank God, it was poison. Yep. You know, uh, breweries do not buy young hops malt barley. <laughs> Wineries do not take the grapes that are luscious and immature. The older they are and the more contaminated with poison they are, a premium price is paid. This is documented in the Council of Agricultural Science and Technology out of Iowa. Um, and so when I drank those two, can you imagine me with two, you've seen me with a sip, right? With two glasses of wine, I had the best night I think. I'm told I had the best night of my life. Um, but I knew that the reason for that lump 
was directly linked. Now, most people, Kyle, yeah. are going to go to the doctor the next day. Yeah. He's going to take a biopsy. He's going to call that lymph cancer or lymphoma. I see this all the time when you... Uh, uh, Prostate-specific antigen, the PSA test, is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. I Thank mean, you. You know, you've uh, you've met the guy, and we've had him on the show with the guy who created the PSA test, Dr. Albin, uh, Ablin, mm -hmm. and. When you start to see that so many men have had their prostates removed just almost prophylactically after mm -hmm. they have a high PSA, well, I don't want the cancer and, you know, obviously I have cancer based on this PSA test. And then Dr. Ablin just completely destroys that. And you start to say, well, wait a minute, are all of these diagnoses correct? A lot of them aren't. Therefore, are the treatments that I'm experiencing correct and the money that I'm spending and the pain that I'm experiencing and just the time it takes and don't discount the mental energy and the emotional toll it takes on a family. You know what it's like when, it, when a spouse or a loved one thinks they've got something, mm -hmm. the bad news. They get a letter and they say, your bank account's you know, stripped or the IRS or whatever, and they are a basket case for months until they find out, whoops, now our mistake, that's your neighbor. Yeah. And the same or more so is true when you get a diagnosis and what that does to a person, and they start getting their affairs in order. And I know doctors are trying to help, but what we have to do is take a step back and say, wait a minute, what are the basics of good health? Diet, exercise, breathing, sleeping, these are basics. If I don't have those right, how am I going to get anything else right? Kyle, thank you. You bring up a couple of very solid points. Number one, Dick Ablin, Richard Ablin. Uh, discovered the PSA mm -hmm. in 1970. It wasn't prostate specific, <laughs> nor was it a cancer test, so he put it on the shelf. He, in his book, The Great Prostate Hoax, <laughs> one of the reasons <laughs> I love him so much is he named names. Oh my God. There were high tech companies in San Diego in 1970 that came along and took that PSA and began marketing it as a cancer, prostate oh cancer test. They were wrong, they lied, but urologists were bought to believe it or thought to believe it. And all of a sudden, every man in America had to have a PSA, thank God, mm. I've never had one. Mm. I've never had a digital rectal exam. Once again, trust mm -hmm. has always been my issue. But you bring up that point so solidly. And by the way, in the world of invention, three steps normally take place, or in the world of controversy in mm -hmm. medicine or quackery in medicine. Number one, is denial. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Adkins, my friend Robert Adkins went through this. He had more lawsuits in a year than I hope we ever see in a lifetime. Yep. Uh, they denied him, they made fun of him, they called him a quack, they said he was pushing patients into ketosis, that he was killing patients, but undeniably they were losing a lot of weight and they were feeling better than they mm -hmm. ever felt. He slips outside his home, right? Remember a few years yep. ago in New York, hits his head and dies. Um, I read a couple of years ago a fascinating article. They were looking at all of the diets and they were saying, well, undeniably, it looks like Adkins was the... So the middle step, first is denial. The middle step is study, mm -hmm. right? And so they're saying, well, we need to study. And the more they do on a grain-free diet, like Kaufman's diet, yep. the more they're saying, okay, this really seems to be the diet. 
years after he's gone, because they've discredited him, they've lied and ruined his reputation, mm -hmm. years after he's gone, the third step of this is accepted as self-evident all along. Mm -hmm. You mark my words, I'll be dead. We've You'll, always known We've this. always known that a grain-free diet, you know, and they'll bury Adkins and they'll bury Kaufman, but they've gotta be right, they're doctors. Yep. And so you can see my skepticism slash cynicism yeah. here, having been at this for 45 years, having worked in the operating rooms and having seen the cover-ups. By the by, the other good point you bring up is I just read an article that men with prostate disease, hmm, it's a good idea to give them a five-year watchful wait. Mm. No more snipping them, no more burning them, no more planting seeds. What was agricultural yeah. prostate? Yeah. Whoever, no more intervening <laughs> medically the way, the nonsense we've done. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and watchful wait. And sure enough, if you just tell the men to get off beer and get on the right diet, get on probiotics, I think most of them would be fixed. They don't know that yet. No, and uh, I, you know, I think about all the things that we commonly tell men to do. You watch football games, you see beer ads, you yep. think of it as a manly thing. Uh, it's causing prostate problems, it's causing testosterone problems. It's causing cancer. It's causing Alcohol cancer. Alcohol is linked with cancer. It's beyond belief that, and, and, and then the scary thing is when you then get into the medical system and you can't find your way back out again. Too many of my friends, too many family members, yep. they get into that system and they have become so scared. And then other family members are saying, look, what the heck, why don't I just try something? You know, yep. I'm just gonna try what you're talking about. You know, yep. the, who is this Kaufman guy and tell me about it. And I tell them about it and they do it and they go, wow, this really did work. And then they come back to you, right? And they yeah. say, how do we tell our loved ones? Because they're not believing this. Because they go back to their doctor and their doctor laughs. <laughs> like fungus could cause diabetes. You know? yep. and, and it's sad, folks. It's all about, you know, as we wrap this up, I'll come full 180. Uh, well, better be full 360. We've already come 180. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, full 360. At 180, we find ourselves introducing fast food to our children. They don't die, their ears don't fall off, their skin doesn't bleed, so we think, okay, fast food, they must have gotten away with it. Then we take a loving mother, takes a loving child for a lot of vaccines mm -hmm. into a lot of doctor's offices afterwards. A lot of antibiotics ensue as the immune system is challenged with those vaccines. Uh, then child gets to stay overnight with friends. You've never given them soda pop, but the friends do. And the friends give them pizza, and the friends give them lots and lots of gummy chocolate and, and gooey candies. They get home, they're a little bit wired, but their ears didn't fall off and they seem okay. Years later, you have a child with a nervous disorder, a learning disorder, uh, horrible skin, uh, 100 pounds overweight, and you can't figure out how they got there. So what I have discovered many, many years ago, and Kyle has helped me so much with this discovery, is often there is a reason for that growth. Antibiotics make cows fat. Why not teenagers? There is a reason uh, for their behavior problems. Uh, alcohol is neurotoxic. No doubt. Don't believe me? Sit down, sick, uh, drink a six-pack right now and see if you can communicate with the world after a six-pack. We're doing this to ourselves. Don't actually do that. 
<laughs> Note to self. <laughs> um, we're doing this to ourselves. We're slowly poisoning ourselves, and we think because our ear doesn't fall off or we don't die, it must be okay to do. Get back to what Kyle said earlier. Get back to clean water, sweating, exercising. The proper diet would be that which is not in the middle of a grocery store, in a can or a box. Uh, slow food, whatever happened to slow mm. food? Everything today is fast food. On occasion, I think that's fine. Uh, but alcohol and soda pop and things like these have got to be eliminated because they're directly, not indirectly, directly linked with the diseases man suffers today from. And fungus is often at the root of so many problems because we took antibiotics. I think the damage done by antibiotics takes decades to cause weight gain and acne and headaches and painful joints and so forth. I have very little proof of that, but that's Doug's take. <laughs> Your thought. I love it and uh, what he said. I don't want to add to it, it's too good. But I agree and I've experienced it myself over and over again, everything from depression to psoriasis. Hey, talk about quickly before we yeah. say goodbye to these yeah. folks. That study you did that year. I did the dumbest. I've been a lifelong guinea pig and it's a big mistake. I'm 46 years old right now, and I have sort of made myself a wreck by doing things that are so stupid just to see if what would happen. And for one year, I decided to do an experiment in which six months, I ate everything perfectly, took the right supplements, exercised, felt great, did everything right. <laughs> then the second six months, I was gonna continue taking supplements, but eat anything that I wanted which meant pizza and donuts. And for the first week, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. After that, it was a, I was a teetotal wreck. I took pictures, you saw it. My yeah. skin was covered top to bottom in psoriasis. I only lasted four months on the, uh, on the second leg of the experiment because I just couldn't make it a full six months. Depression came back, migraines, snoring, apnea, whatever you want to call it, everything that a person can have and still breathe, <laughs> I think I had. And so this was the disaster. And, and, and the reason I did it, Doug, is because so many people come to me and they say, look, I'm not going to change my diet, but I will take supplements. <laughs> I know that. And I'm a supplement fan. And so I finally got tired of giving him the spiel and I decided to do the experiment so I could shorthand it. What a mistake. Um, after I got my diet back in order, it took easily six months to get my, my, my health back again. During that time, I had a meniscus tear. Remember that? Yes, and I called I you and, I, and my yes, I knees do. were a wreck. And yep. I mean, there were some things that wound up being long-term problems because of that short-term experiment. Mm -hmm. And it just says to me, when people don't do short-term experiments, but their whole life is an experiment, mm -hmm. and they're wondering, why is the ringing in my ears? Why do I have the migraines? Why can't I sleep at night? Why do I have depression? Girl, I've had depression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know what depression is. Yeah. I was an early Prozac user. I know what Paxil feels like. I know what it feels like when you're starting to get better on that stuff, but what it feels like when you get off of it. I get it. When you change everything around, this is not, by the way, a prescription, and this is not medical advice. This is just my own impression of what happens to people and what happened to me. When you change things around and get the fundamentals right, and you know the fungus link to this stuff, things change. They change rapidly. Things change radically, 
and in my case, permanently. Kyle, that's such an eloquent way to end this, and that is supplements, good thing, exercise, good thing, diet, everything. Huge thing. Everything. Get the diet right first. Watch over the next few months your symptoms disappear. Kyle, thank you. This is this fun today. A, this Thanks, man. This is a good run. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you. And thank you, folks. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.